I want to share with you tonight um, our 20th lesson in the book of Revelation. Revelation in chapter 15. I want to read that in a moment. And you know all of the uh, review that we've done in chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 4 and 5, we've read that many times. Chapter 6, these are great chapters of the book of Revelation. Uh, chapter 8, the seventh seal, the angelic host, the prayers of the saints and the judgments of God. This chapter is very similar to chapter 8 as we read it. Chapter 15 is very similar, but it's, it's about worship. And I want to talk to you about worship tonight. Uh, and then in chapter 9, we talked about the angelic hosts again, seven trumpets, three woes, chapter 10, you can see there, and I, I think we got the good, we have all the notes tonight. Is that right? Okay, hallelujah. Thank goodness for jump drives. I'm still not, my, my file isn't connecting over here for some reason from my office, so we had to do it the old-fashioned way, jump drives. Anybody remember jump drives? Of course we do. Um, all right. So, and then in chapter 11, the two witnesses in the seventh trumpet. Uh, chapter 12, Israel, the overcomer and the divine protection of God. Chapter 13, the beast, the beast system and the mark of the beast. Man, that was a interesting uh, chapter there. Uh, the end of the age, harvest. And the wheat and tares comparison. We did that last week and tonight. We want to talk about prophetic worship or worship and open heaven and the wrath of God. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this amazing book that, Lord, it never gets old. It's always unfolding. It, it always has relevance. And we can see as we lay over the events of our day, over this wonderful book, Lord, how these events that we see are coming to life. They are being made known. We are able to see more clearly uh, the things of our day and how they are fulfilling Scripture and prophecy. So we give you thanks. Now, Lord, give us ears to hear what you're saying and God, give us understanding in the things of the Spirit so that we can understand our authority, power, and, and the things that we are to accomplish here in this age of your church, the church age, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. So let me read chapter 15, verse 1, starting there. It's only eight, eight verses. Then I saw another sign in heaven. Great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues. For in them, listen to this, the wrath of God is complete. So the wrath of God is coming to a conclusion. And it's, it's being poured out in great measure now. Not upon the saved, not upon the people who are uh, being saved, but upon those who are rebelling. And again, the Lord is, is like he's cornering the, the devil and those who follow him, and he's evicting them from the earth with these um, plagues and with the judgments of God. For in them the wrath of God 
is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass, listen to this, mingled with fire. Now, we associate fire with judgment, but in this case, it's, it's like the fire of Pentecost. It's like the fire of the Holy Spirit. Because he saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory, he saw those who have the victory over the beast, over his image. These are things that people have to overcome in this uh, tribulation period. And over his mark. So there's resistance to these things that if you realize that this is a great deception and, the, and Satan is, is prevailing over people uh, and a person wants to overcome, they have to resist these things over the beast. They have victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. Standing on the sea of glass, having harps in their hands. I love that. I mean... <laughs> With all of the chaos and all of the judgments of God and all of the bad things happening in the earth, heaven is totally unaffected. Heaven is full of praise. Heaven is full of those, and this is where I guess they get that wonderful visual of people on clouds playing harps when they're in heaven. Because this is, it says it right here, they're standing on this sea of glass Having harps, having the harps of God. Somebody say amen. I think the harps of God are interest. It's an interesting statement to me because above it all, above all the fray, there's the sound. Can you imagine the sound of this multitude playing the harp, harps of God? Hallelujah. Harp is a beautiful instrument, by the way. Just a beautiful sound. And listen to this. Not only are they playing, but they're singing. They sing the song of Moses. Remember the song of Moses on the other side of the Red Sea? Again, there's, a, there's the parallel between Egypt and Pharaoh and the judgments of God there. And now God's judgments upon Satan, upon the beast. And upon the beast system, we see his judgments coming upon all nations. It's just not one nation being judged. It's all nations. So there's a great comparison. It's also a, a, um, a kind of a parallel between Israel now and this new Israel. Notice this. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, which tells us that there are Jews that have been saved during the tribulation period. They remember the song of Moses, and they're singing the song of the Lamb as well. And, and people uh, from every nation have been saved during the great tribulation. Great and marvelous are your works. This is what they're singing. Their worship is powerful. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord, God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Praise God. Who shall not fear you, O Lord? Listen to this. And glorify your name. They're asking a question in this song. In other words, God is having his way in the earth. 
Everyone, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the promise of God. And this is how it begins to translate and materialize. God in his judgment is crushing Satan, crushing him till finally he's cast into the lake of fire and Christ reigns on the earth over every nation for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign. He is doing it right here. He is making it happen. Somebody say amen. It's powerful. Who will not fear you? And it's a rhetorical question. Everyone will. And who will not glorify your name? Everyone will. For you alone are holy. Notice this. For all nations shall come and worship before you. Somebody say amen. Come on, let's give God praise right there. I tell you, that is a statement of statements. This is what's happening. The the saints of God are singing this before the final bowls of wrath that complete the wrath of God are poured out. They're worshiping God. I want to talk about how powerful your worship is, how powerful your declarations are, and the power of God associated with them. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. In other words, they're unveiled now, and they have repercussions And they are bringing to pass the will of God. Jesus is taking his inheritance according to Psalm 2. He has been given the nations as his inheritance, and he has taken it now. He has given mankind plenty of time by their own will, by their own uh, powers of, of the will to submit and to bring their lives before him. But now... It's done. That time pretty much is almost over. After these things, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was open. Notice that. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came seven angels having Seven plagues clothed in purple, bright, pure, I'm sorry, pure, bright linen, and having their chest girded with golden bands. Beautiful. And then one of the four living creatures, remember, we saw them in chapter five, I believe, gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple, notice this. This is a, this is a throwback to the old temple in uh, Jerusalem. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were complete. So tonight we want to talk a little bit about these things, the prophetic worship 
and open heaven and the wrath of God. So we've just concluded the seventh trumpet and the third woe judgments have ended. And in chapter 16, we're going to see as these bowls are poured out what happens in the earth. But I want you to see this is a very important chapter because it connects us to what God is doing in heaven. And it connects the saints of God for what we can see happen, how we can see the will of God prevail in the earth when we worship God. John sees a great and marvelous sign, he says. This is a great and marvelous sign. And he sees the seven angels of God with the seven bowls of wrath. He sees this throng of people who have the victory over the beast. They, they have come through the tribulation. I don't know if they have been martyred and they're standing there before the throne. I don't know how uh, it happened, but I know that they have victory. Everybody say victory. Look at your neighbor and tell him you have the victory in Jesus' name. Over, his, over the beast, over the mark of his name, over the number of his name, standing and worshiping God. So allow me to talk a little bit about worship and, and how it functions in heaven and how it is to function and what it releases in heaven and how it affects the earth. I am convinced that the more you worship, the more you will understand the mind of God. I'm convinced the more you submit and humble your heart and sing to the Lord and sing in the Spirit and worship Him out of your spirit, out of your spirit, man, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, God begins to move. The atmosphere begins to change. That's why when we come in here from the world, it's like the first thing we want to do is to sing to the Lord. We want to worship God. We want to allow Him to pour out His Spirit, washing our minds, washing us from the dregs of the day, washing us and cleansing us and getting our minds clear. I'm telling you, it is amazing. I'll come in here and my mind will be going a hundred different ways. And the next thing you know, when I begin to worship, boom, I begin to center in on clarity and on the will of God. It's amazing how he just reveals things to me when I'm worshiping him and honoring him. At home, when I'm worshiping, God will give me insights. He will help me understand things. He will comfort my heart. There's so many things to it. But ultimately, worship is, I believe, it's a sign of victory. Somebody say amen. It is a sign of victory. Hallelujah. Liz, do you have your hand up? Do you want to say something? Come on up here. Hallelujah. You, you have a testimony? You worship at home. Well, I'm glad that you're... Come on, share. You know, my daughter, she's getting married, and she's moving to Kentucky, and it's killing me, okay? It's not killing me, but it's not killing me. But um, last fall, it might have been longer than that, I was over there, and I was really sad, and Tara was, this light's shining in my face, but um, Tara was saying, somebody's sad here, and I'm there, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's me. And God says... 
when you are sad, you worship me. And lately, and I, that really helped me a lot. And I'll, just last week, I bought my dress. She's getting married in September, and it's getting closer, so I'm getting sad again. And God says, you need to worship me. So I turn on the music, and I dance. I close my eyes, and I dance, and it helps me so much. You need to do that, too. Amen. Amen. That is so good. You know, a mama's heart, you know, even though they're happy, I know, for their their baby girl getting married. I know Cheryl just went through this, and John with Teresa. So you you got some you got some helpers right there. But it's true, isn't it? When you're down worship, when you don't feel like it worship, it's 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 you do it by faith. That's thank you. Thank you, Liz. God bless you. Um it's a it's a sign of victory. Notice these this throng of people who have the victory over the beast. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful visual. John says, I saw a great and marvelous sign. I feel like our worship here is a sign of victory when we stand in the presence of God and we are declaring his praise and declaring his greatness amongst us in the earth. I feel like demons flee. They just fall down. They can't stand in the presence of God as we're standing as children of God worshiping Him. Worship is also an inward position. It's an inward posture of your faith and your rest before God. You, When you worship God, you trust Him. When you worship God, you learn to trust Him. Now, you can just sing songs like at a honky-tonk somewhere, and it'll make you feel good. But the fact is, is that, that when you, maybe not, I don't know, but, but when you worship, where did that come from, Dad? When you worship God, when you worship God, something opens up in your spirit. It's a confidence that you have that God is moving, that God is comforting, that he is hearing you. You don't have to even mention your prayer request. You just worship God. And he knows what you have need of even before you ask about it. I've learned to be a worshiper because I know if I become a worshiper, I'll be a better warrior. If you become a worshiper, you will be a much more powerful warrior for the king of kings and lord of lords it's a posture it's it's just not it's just not you know yes you can lay down you can lay face down that's very important i think humbling yourself in the sight of god is a very important thing but some of you you know some of us, if we get down there, we may never get back up, right? We might need some help. And so we just stand. We stand and we, we humble our hearts. It's a position of our love for God and our confident rest. Uh, we just, I think Curtis just re-edited our, our You Shall Find Rest 21-day devotional. And, and we're going to put that into, we're going to read through it. We're going to record ourselves reading our own chapters, uh, and we're going to give it away uh, as, a, as an audio book. 
for people who would like it. Just to get that word out about the rest of God. It's so important when you learn to worship, it causes your spirit, man, to rest. I mean, worship until you rest. Somebody, can I say it that way? Worship until you get the breakthrough that you need. Dance before the Lord and worship Him. See, when you worship heaven, and this is what I love about the sea of glass, it's, it's uh, interesting, it's like fire, it's like diamonds, it's like uh, a different emeralds, uh, a visual there. I believe that heaven begins to light up with our worship as we worship God. I think there's light that, that, that comes from us as we worship God. I just feel like this is a sign. This is what we need to understand about worship, that, that heaven lights up when we worship God. Now, obviously, it's lit with God. He is the light of that place. But I believe there's like this fire that comes from us, and it just pleases the heart of God. The worship of God is powerful and prophetic when you worship. Notice what they sang. They sang the song of Moses. Now, granted, there is wrath getting ready to be poured out. This is such a great contrast. Heaven is filled with the harps of God, with the songs of God, and, and the earth, people are getting saved, but there's great turmoil. But this is what they sang. They sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and they sang the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord, God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations, they are prophesying. They are literally prophesying what is going to take place. All nations shall come before you and worship before you. This is true prophetic worship. You're worshiping God. You're declaring the will of God. You're declaring what you're seeing. You're declaring what you know is coming to pass. You know God is working. When you worship, prophesy. Prophesy the will of God when you worship. Liz, I want to challenge you. When you're, when you're, prof, when you're worshiping, prophesy over Sarah. Prophesy over that marriage. Prophesy the blessing of God, that they will be healthy, whole, that they will live a long, happy, healthy life, prospering in the things of God, blessed of God, many souls won. Somebody say amen. Prophesy the will of God when you worship the Lord. Hallelujah. It says here, for you alone are holy for all nations shall come and worship before you. Again, the, the saints of God are prophesying about the end times that are unfolding as they speak. For your judgments have been manifested. This is what they're singing. After these things, I looked and behold, the temple. This is so interesting. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. I believe worship declares the greatness of God. We see this. Worship can prophesy about your future, as I just said, but worship opens heaven. Somebody say amen. It just, whew. is there a closed heaven? Yes, but there's a time when God opens it, and I believe 
it's associated with our worship. And I believe the angelic hosts begin to uh, get activated. The worship activates the angelic hosts to move on our behalf, to move in the earth. And this is what we see in the book of Revelation so many times when the saints are praying or the saints are worshiping, the activation takes place. Somebody say amen. I believe that God has made us co-workers with him. He could, have, he could easily pour out the judgment on his own, do it, <clears throat> but he wants us to be included. And as we worship him and declare it, he begins to do it. Why? Because he's given us dominion over the earth. In other words, he wants to work on our behalf because this is, this is not only our father's world, but this is the world that he gave us that we inherit, that we reign and rule with Christ in. And so he's just working with us. And the angels, the angelic hosts begin to move, we see in this chapter. Again, they come out, these angels that, that we have not seen up till now, with beautiful gold, powerful, uh, pure robes, beautiful. Out of the temple came the seven angels, having seven the seven last plagues, clothed pure in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. Powerful angels, powerful visual. And so John sees these things. He sees this marvelous, great and marvelous sign. And as a result, the temple, notice this, this is wonderful, and I'll close with this. The temple is filled with the glory presence of God. Hallelujah. You would think that it would already be, but I just think God just loves to do wonderful things in heaven. You know, even though things are being poured out in, a, in awful measure in the earth, heaven is a whole different scene. And I want you to know that no matter how bad, how difficult it gets down here, this world is not our home until the millennial reign. Somebody say amen. We're just pilgrims passing through, but we will reign with Christ. Notice this. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. I feel, and I've seen the Shekinah glory of God. I've seen kind of the, the smoke of his presence, the glory presence of God. Not only here, but in, in just about every church where I've been a part of, I've seen the power of God in this way. I don't know if it's just me. There's been times when other people have seen it. But I believe that God is restoring that as we worship him. Listen, this is what happens. The presence of God begins to fill the room, begins to fill the room. And I believe as the end times come quickly down the road, I believe that there's going to be, this is a sign, just like John says, we're going to see you as it is in heaven, so shall it be in the earth. We will see the Shekinah glory of God. We will see in greater measure than ever before on a more consistent basis, people just walking in sick and, and broken and leaving healed and well. Somebody say amen. The Shekinah glory, the smoke filled uh, the temple with the glory of God. And from his power, no one was able to enter the temple. The seven, till the seven plagues uh, of the angels were 
completed. Let me read that chapter in Solomon. Uh, not that chapter, just a few verses. Second Chronicles, this is where the glory of God appeared in the temple. And that was a type and shadow, I believe, of who we are, where the glory of God abides. How many understand God still abides in glory among his people? Not only among us, but in us. Somebody say amen. But this, this is really good. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying... And you can, you can see and read his prayer in chapter 6, 2 Chronicles. When Solomon finished praying, how many know God loves, he loves when we uh, pray and he responds. Fire came down from heaven, hallelujah, and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Somebody say amen. This is just powerful. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, notice the contrast here between the children of Israel and the world. Here God's, and that's, his fire is his, his judgment here. His judgment is consuming the sacrifice so he doesn't consume his people. They're sacrificing for their sins so God is consuming and his glory is filling the temple. But notice his people here, it's beautiful. When, when they saw it, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord uh, on the temple, they bowed their faces. They humbled themselves to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. They just humbled themselves. And see, this is not what's happening in the book of Revelation. They are rebelling more and more. And this is what happens in people's lives. They rebel more and more. God, he works with us. Thank the Lord. He strives with us. He waits for us. He knows the end from the beginning. So he's very, very patient. But this is a powerful visual of what God does when we worship. It's a sign of victory. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign that we are ready for the glory and the presence of God in our midst, the fire of God to come, burn out all the impurities, and see the glory of God restored to his church. Somebody say amen. Come on up here, Dave. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord praise too right now. Amen. Amen. So God's glory is coming. It's coming to your life, the glory of God. If you're a worshiper, it's coming to this house. It's already here, but in greater measure. Now, uh, there is wrath outside of these walls, absolutely. There's wrath in the world. There's, there's things that are happening that there's the wrath of the devil for sure. Yeah, but God's grace is being poured out. Where sin abounds right now, grace does much more abound. And, and there is the evicting of Satan. We see this. And this is why you and I have authority over Satan today, is because of the victory that Christ has given 
has, has wrought and has given to us. But also, we, we, uh, we, uh, we understand that, that we can cast Satan out of any situation, any person. We can cast him out of nations. Christians can. Cast him out in a sense that, that he's not ruling in the government mountain. He's not using evil people to do terrible things to individuals. How many understand what I'm saying? And so I believe that when God's people worship and when they stand in his presence, it's a sign. It's a sign to the world that the kingdom of God can come. The kingdom of God can rule. The kingdom of God will evict Satan. The kingdom of God will destroy the kingdom of darkness. And here we see in chapter 15 and then 16, as the, as the wrath is poured out, it's all marching toward this Jesus inheriting the nations a thousand years. Hallelujah. People will worship him. And I got to say it again, truly the meek shall inherit the earth. It's not the aggressive. It's not the dictators. It's not the, the evil people of the world. It's the meek. Jesus will see to that. Come on, stand with me right now. Let me give you some concluding thoughts. These times call, I believe, for bold Christians, bold leaders who are not afraid, who are ready for these times, courageous to cast Satan down, to cast out demons and darkness, to be a multiplier of the kingdom. I preached on that a couple Sundays ago. Being a multiplier of the kingdom. A multiplier of the kingdom. I keep remembering that dream, just multiplying, multiplying, increase, increase, increase. So Father, I declare over your people that they will walk in victory, that they will be worshipers, that learn warfare for you, spiritual warfare, that God, they will see the results of their worship and prayers as you, as you pass judgment on the enemy, Lord, and as you crush him under their feet. I give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Now make this declaration with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving me a heart of worship, a heart of love for you, a heart of discernment for these times. Thank you that you have declared over my life victory, victory in every circumstance. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me, emboldening me, and giving me faith to overcome every situation and every enemy. In the mighty name, the glorious name, the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.